everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. Episode 11. And this one's going to be pretty crazy. I have decided to put off my Biden family business until next time or another time. This one, I've just got to comment on some of the stuff that's going on at the World Economic Forum in Davos. First of all, I think it's important to point out that over a thousand private aircraft flew in to Davos. You actually can't fly in to Davos. Davos's airport cannot sustain that many aircraft. So these uh, elites, billionaires and millionaires, fly in to surrounding airports and then either helicopter into Davos or take big SUV motorcades, you know, the really green way to go into this convention where they all pat each other on the back and say how wonderful they are and how amazing they're doing and how to live in a way that will reduce greenhouse emissions. But they do not practice what they preach. They actually think they're touched. Way. <laughs> uh, I just, I can't even go on here. Let me uh, let you listen to John Kerry talk about how wonderful they all are. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we, select group of human beings, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy, tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. Can you believe the arrogance of this man? So John Kerry thinks that they are all touched and that they're all special. And what did he say? Oh, yeah, uh, almost extraterrestrial. Let me translate that for you. Almost godlike. Yes, they actually believe that they can improve on what God has created. Wow, aren't they special? And it's only that group of elites that are aware enough to come together and talk about how we can save the planet. I'll let you know what my beliefs are about climate change and all that in just a second. But I want you to hear what insanity sounds like. This is Al Gore at the World Economic Forum talking about how bad a shape we're really in. 
the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. So just when you think Al Gore can't get any crazier and more unhinged, he unleashes something like this. I don't know if you guys remember or not, but back, uh, I think it was on Conan O'Brien when Al Gore was talking about the need for geothermal drilling. That's drilling, you know, really deep holes into the Earth's surface to regulate the temperature And he actually said that, yes, we need to do geothermal drilling because uh, uh, the core of our Earth is several million degrees. Um, Al, I have news for you there, buddy. Uh, If the core of our Earth was several million degrees, we wouldn't be having this fun discussion about global warming and climate change because we'd all be incinerated inside of a star. The core of the Earth is between 8 and 12,000 degrees, not several million. So at that point, when I saw him on on Conan O'Brien, I knew the guy was full of BS completely. Uh, But he's made a lot of money. Estimates are about $330 million he's been paid to spout this crap worldwide. So as someone who is pro-capitalism, go Al Gore. Hyperbolic descriptions of weather events again. Remember in the last podcast, I talked about them using, uh, even in meteorology, these terms like Polar vortex and bomb cyclones, you know, this is ridiculous. He's talking about oceans boiling and rain bombs and the water being sucked out of the earth. Al, you need help, buddy. You really do. Uh, There are some nice men dressed in all white with a huggy jacket for you. So they can take you and put you in this really nice padded room so you can relax and disconnect from reality for a while because your brain has already done that. Now, I think it's time that your body gets the rest it really needs. Let me tell you what I believe about climate change. First of all, I don't know if many of you are old enough to remember when we only had news uh, on three channels on, on the TV and we got newspapers delivered to our front doorsteps every day. At that time, in the 70s, I believe it was, they were talking about global cooling. They were talking about the next ice age was going to happen. And then a funny thing happened. Things started warming up a lot. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, global cooling and the next ice age turned into global warming. Burn the planet now. You know, the oceans are going to rise and polar ice caps are going to melt completely. And even oceanfront 
states are going to be underwater. And I think it was Al Gore, as a matter of fact, back in like 2005, 2006, he was warning that the snow on top of Mount Kilimanjaro was going to be completely melted by the year 2010, I believe it was. Has anybody seen a picture, a current picture of Kilimanjaro right now? Uh, it is 2023, and I believe there is still snow on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. A am I wrong about that? No, I, I think I'm right. Uh, as a matter of fact, do you want to know how many of Al Gore's predictions have not even come close to coming true? Let's just say all of them. <laughs> Here's just a few gems from Al Gore. Back in 2009, I believe it was, at the uh, Copenhagen Climate Conference, he said that there's a 75% chance the entire North Polar ice cap in the summer months could be completely ice-free in the next five to seven years. Yeah, that didn't happen. All right. And then uh, in 2006, in his documentary, An Inconvenient Truth, which sadly was shown to school students all over the world and started this mass paranoia about how climate change is going to end the earth. He predicted that global sea levels would rise as much as 20 feet in the near future. So the truth is, since 1880, the global sea level has risen 8 to 9 inches. And just between 1993 and 2021, the sea level rose a whole 3.8 inches, according to uh, NOAA, which is uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Uh, at that rate, it will take approximately, uh, carry the four, oh, a thousand one hundred and thirty six years for the world's ocean sea levels to rise 20 feet. You know, here's another thing I want to know about these uh, globalists that are telling everybody they need to be afraid of climate change and the rising sea levels. If that's the case, how come most of them have oceanfront properties? As a matter of fact, I think, memory serves me correctly, Barack Obama and Michelle Obama just bought a $15 million mansion, oceanfront mansion, in Martha's Vineyard. Well, if they're so worried about rising sea levels due to climate change, how come they're buying oceanfront properties? Are you guys understanding that this is happening because it's their belief that they need to tell us what to do, not what they need to do? They have no interest of leading by example. They only will tell us what to do. That's really the plan. All righty then, I'll tell you what I believe about climate change right after this. My official view on climate change is 
climate change is happening. It has been happening for uh, 4.1, 4.2 billion years. The climate changes all the time. There are cycles. Warmer and cooler and warmer and cooler. And you know what? It's still happening. The climate is still changing. It's not dramatic like all of these doomsdayers are predicting. It's cyclical. As a matter of fact, if you go back and you can research this, Michael Mann of Penn State University was the person that created what's called the hockey stick graph, where it looked like climate was the same, the same, the same, the same. And then all of a sudden the 90s, it takes off like a rocket. Well, you can look this up too. Uh, Michael Mann later admitted he left out the medieval hump, which would have shown temperatures, surface temperatures on the earth were actually higher than they are now. And then something really strange happened. They all of a sudden started dropping and dropping and dropping and went down to this valley. And then the temperature started rising again and rising again. And this would show a pattern or cycle. I can tell you right now, climate change, the science that they're trying to admit or to get us to admit to is complete hooey. It has everything to do with that very bright object in the sky you're not allowed to look at with your naked eye because you might lose your sight and you can't stay out in too long. Otherwise, your skin turns a bright red and blisters. Yeah, there's a reason why the climate goes up and down. The sun goes through what's called solar cycles. There's a period of time where more sunspots and less solar flares happen. That's a low solar cycle. And then there's a time when the sunspots are very few and large solar flares happen. That's the peak of the solar cycle. And this happens about every 11 years. So if you take from peak to peak, that's about 22 years. Gosh, that kind of matches what everybody keeps talking about, about temperatures going up and down. And here's a fact that you all need to know, and I challenge anyone to explain this. Every planet in our solar system got warmer to the same degree as Earth, depending on their distance from the sun, in the last hundred years. So explain that. In the same time that Earth's surface temperature rose 0.7 degrees. Mars' surface temperature rose 0.35. Huh. Jupiter's temperature, surface temperature, rose so much, it created a second red spot or superstorm, which we know happens when hot air mixes with cold air and creates these storms. So if anyone can explain how our CO2 emissions affects Mars and Jupiter and all the other planets, I'd be very interested to understand what that is caused by. See, I've been an amateur astronomer my whole life. I, I My father uh, was a huge astronomer. We had a big uh, Celestron telescope, and I have I actually inherited his telescope when he passed away. 
I love astronomy. Things that blow me away uh, with magnitudes that cannot be fathomed. Uh, you know, when you're talking in astronomy, parsecs and light years, that's distances you can't calculate in inches and miles to describe these numbers that are just astronomical. Ha! <laughs> I love that. Just to give you a fun fact, astronomy fact. Most of you know in the winter sky, there's a constellation called Orion. Everyone's familiar with the belt of Orion, you know, the three stars. But what's really interesting is the two shoulders of Orion are supergiants. One's a white supergiant named Rigel. The other supergiant is named Betelgeuse, not spelled the same way as Betelgeuse, Betelgeuse, Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse with a G-E-U-S-E at the end. Anyway, uh, Betelgeuse is a red supergiant. It is so massive, 890 million miles in diameter. It is so big that if you stuck Betelgeuse in the place of our medium yellow star, the sun, the outer circumference of the star itself would extend beyond the orbit of Mars, almost to the orbit of Jupiter. So if you stuck Betelgeuse in the place of our sun, uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars would all be consumed. <laughs> and Jupiter and Saturn and Neptune and Uranus and the poor Pluto that was degraded to a dwarf planet. What did Pluto do to deserve that? Pluto was just a regular planet, and then 10 years ago or so, some selfish, egotistical scientist decided that, that Pluto needed to be downgraded to a dwarf planet. I don't believe with that. Anyway, all of those, so Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and, and Pluto would all turn a lot hotter. <laughs> so that's why I love astronomy so much. Okay, and that's why I can tell you that the only reason why they're trying to scare you with rising CO2 is because they can't monetize and control anything outside of our atmosphere. People will only ascribe to the belief that something inside our atmosphere is causing this warming and this greenhouse effect. Do you guys understand that plants and trees depends on CO2 to live? And then they turn that into oxygen, which helps us live? Do you understand if we reduce CO2 to zero, a lot of plant life will die. And because of that, a lot of animal life that are herbivores that only eat plants will die. And then the carnivores who eat the herbivores will die. And then the what who's on the top of the food chain? Oh yeah, human beings will no longer have food. This is all asinine. 
climate change. Oh, and the reason why it's now climate change is because then they can say, oh, it's too cold. Ah, it's climate change. Oh, it's too warm. Ah, it's climate change. They can use climate change for both now. So that's why it changed from global cooling and the next ice age to and global warming to just plain climate change. Then they can say, oh, yes, it's all due to climate change. You're too cold. Oh, it's climate change. Oh, you're too warm. Oh, it's climate change. Climate change is the boogeyman used by the global elites to control you, period. It's also really important to understand the U.S. government and other governments, but mostly I'm going to talk about the U.S. government, only gives grants to scientists and scientific groups proving climate change exists and is a problem. They do not give government grants to scientists that disprove climate change theories and the original AGW theory, anthropogenic global warming, which, of course, was changed to climate change because anthropogenic global warming was proven wrong when things started getting cold again. So anyway, that's why there's only scientists out there talking about climate change and the dangers of it, because that's the only scientists that can get government grants and money. And that's funny because that really isn't science anymore. If you have everyone agreeing on one theory, it's no longer a scientific theory. It then becomes fact. But if you see, if you keep trying to call it scientific theories and the science, you know, like uh, what's his name talks about himself being the science, Anthony Fauci, that that ceases to be science. Science and scientific theories are to be challenged and there are to be opinions on both sides and debates, scientific debates on what is believed on one side and what is believed on the other side. And this is scientific process. This is the scientific process that happens over decades and millennia where another scientist comes along and proves that they were all wrong. And then, you know, it's just insane when Al Gore and other climate change professionals, do we say? I don't think we could say professionals. Um, useful idiots. I think we'll just use that. Useful idiots say that the science is settled and don't allow debate. You can pretty much assume that it's not real science. All right. Speaking of science, uh, I don't know if you read this or not, but the CDC is now admitting that COVID deaths were overcounted. You don't say. Some hospitals now admit that 90% of the patients that died were in the hospital for another reason and were tested for COVID. So people need to understand there is a big difference between people that died from COVID and people that died with COVID. Healthy children and young adults were never at risk. And if we want to know the actual numbers of people that died from COVID, they're probably, I'm going to guess, one third, maybe even one fourth of the numbers 
that have been recorded as COVID deaths. And if you look at that, you're, you're talking like, okay, a third is 333,000 deaths. More people die of cancer and heart disease every year than died from COVID. That, to me, should tell you a lot about how the CDC and the NIH and the WHO and all these so-called health organizations are politically motivated. I personally think that Speaker McCarthy, uh, I think it's time to stop funding for organizations like the World Economic Forum, United Nations, and the World Health Organizations, and put a short leash on the CDC and NIH because they seem to be more interested in political science rather than actual science. Okay, one other thing I'm going to talk about in brief today, but I'm going to talk about in much more detail, is the rollout of what are called CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies. This is going to happen either this year or next year. Uh, They're already trying to make it happen, and they're trying to figure out how to roll it out without alarming people. But let me tell you, you need to do everything you can to resist and refuse this system, our monetary system, going to these central bank digital currencies, because they are going to be programmable. So let's say they declare another lockdown. They can program your currencies not to be valid within a certain mileage of where you're at. They can program these currencies to not be able to be used for purchase of items they don't approve. So yes, they could make your digital program currencies not able to purchase firearms or not able to buy a subscription to a podcast like this one that may have opposing points of view from the party. Boy, I'm telling you, George Orwell must be turning over in his grave because things that are trying to be introduced and are happening right now, this very moment, I think even he would be shocked about. The very reason why these currencies are programmable are why they are very appealing to the globalists that want to control everything. Also, one other thing that I just read about, and I'll, again, I'll find out more uh, information and details, but basically there is going to be a new campaign called Food is Medicine Campaign. And it's not really going to be about healthy eating or about how if you eat healthy, it's going to be as good as medicine or uh, not going to have actual food in medicine. No, 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 no. This is going to be where vaccines are going to be put in foods. So the people that fought against getting The vaccines will be eating the vaccines and the mRNA technology, whether they want to or not. I know that uh, Bill Gates is definitely interested in this, but I don't have all the details. I don't know for absolute sure 
it's true, but I'm going to assume that with the progress that's been made from the globalists and how to control our lives, there's probably an element of truth to it, but I will get back to you with more details as I find them out in the future. Okay, one other thing that happened recently uh, and something that really upsets me, and I'm going to talk about if I were, the Supreme Court came out today with news that says that they cannot identify the person who leaked the Dobbs case or the draft opinion about the Dobbs case and subsequent overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I don't believe this for a second. Okay, I believe that they are covering for someone for political purposes. And let me tell you what would happen if I were the chief justice of the Supreme Court. And I found out that a draft opinion, these are opinions passed all the time back and forth between justices to find out where everybody's at, get different opinions on uh, rulings that may or may not come down. So this is all personal discussion between Supreme Court justices that should be private. But if I was chief justice and I found out that this draft opinion had been leaked, I would have fired every single clerk on the spot that day and then put out a memo saying I'm going to conduct one-on-one -on -one interviews with all of the clerks to see if they get to have their jobs back. If the person that leaked the opinion comes forward and admits to this, then they will be the only one who will be let go. All the other ones will be allowed to continue in what hopes to be a promising legal career. But if no one comes forward and we find out who it really was and find out other clerks knew about it and didn't come forward and, and let us know who they were, I would guarantee none of them that either leaked the opinion or covered for the person leaking the opinion ever had a legal career ever again in their life. That's how seriously this really should have been taken with this Supreme Court leak that resulted in Roe v. Wade being overturned. And I actually think probably it might have helped, probably steeled their resolve and caused them to say, you know what? Yes, let's overturn Roe v. Wade. And then the last thing I want to comment on really quickly uh, before I leave with the positive message is Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers. I salute you, my friend, and what you were willing to do. Um, I do not believe anyone should be forced to believe anything they don't want to. Case in point, uh, Ivan Provorov was against wearing the gay pride jersey on his uh, for the uniform for the gay pride day and because he is a russian orthodox and has very strict beliefs about that he was not disrespectful to anybody he sat in the locker room 
while the beginning ceremonies and, and celebrations happened and, and recognition of that. And then quietly, when the game started, he came out and played. He didn't disrespect anybody. He didn't try to uh, bring attention to himself or anything like that. He did it very humbly. And I believe as his right was to do. Now, I support gay rights, but I will not support the forcing and mandatory participation in an event someone has deep moral beliefs against. That, to me, takes away religious freedom. So, also, I I do find it very interesting that his jersey has sold out because other people in this country believe the same. Now, before I leave you with this positive note, again, I really want to get a conversation started. And as a matter of fact, I want you guys to start writing me with ideas of what you want me to discuss and research. I am perfectly willing to research all types of subjects and try to find out as much information as I can and talk about them on my podcast. So if you have any ideas or if you want to agree or disagree with anything I've said in any of my podcasts, please don't hesitate to write. Drew at the watchdogsbark.com. All right. And the final message I want to leave with you guys is from one of my favorite motivational speakers, Brian Tracy. He said, successful people are always looking for opportunities to help others. Unsuccessful people are always asking what's in it for me. And I would add, who can I blame for my misfortune? Successful people never blame anyone but themselves. They understand personal responsibility. Unsuccessful people look for other people to blame and never take personal responsibility. And with that, we've come to the end of another podcast. Tune in next time. And until then, create an amazing day.